This is the Pulse of New Hampshire. I am Jay Dog, and joining me is an author, a scholar, an athlete, a true Renaissance man. He is a doting grandfather. He's a loving husband, a fantastic father. He also is Eddie Popowski's number one fan. He's also Steve Ballmer's roommate at the uh, at Harvard, which means when Intuit Dome gets built, there should be a plaque that says thank you to Tom Rafferty. <laughs> He is also the president and CEO of Northeast Delta Dental and the host of Northeast Delta Dental Radio. It is Mr. Tom Raffio. Tom, how are you? Thank you, Jay. Thanks for that sterling introduction. And of course, I also uh, played a, a Paw Patrol character for a Halloween parade, both at Northeast <laughs> Delta Dental, one of our traditions, um, but also uh, uh, trick-or-treating with the aforementioned granddaughter. Before we get to today's guest, I want to put a big shout out to our previous guest, Molly Lynn Owen from 603 Forward, very compelling organization. I encourage the listening audience to go on anydelta.com website, check the radio section, and you'll hear that podcast from Molly Lynn Owen. It's an organization I didn't know a lot about until actually, you know, I interviewed her. So that's the great thing, Jay, about this show is uh, I think I'm pretty well connected, but it does afford us the opportunity to showcase different personalities, different leaders, different nonprofits, most of whom I'm aware of, but not always, as well as uh, being a former former chair of the State Board of Education. And way back when I was 16 years old, I wrote in my high school yearbook that I wanted to become a teacher. Um, and then it just worked out that I found out that I could actually be a teacher working you know, in a corporation. So with that, I'd like to introduce Mike Rooney, who's the head of school of Portsmouth Christmas, Christian Academy, excuse me. Mike, thanks for joining me. Hey, Tom, great to be here. Thanks for having me. So uh, um, tell us uh, in your own words, your, little, your background on your career and, and what led you to Portsmouth Chris, Christian Academy and uh, your sort of love for education and leading. So give us all that background. I found when I, when I interview guests that... Uh, if I get one critique is the, the audience emails me and says, geez, I wanted to know a little bit more. So so take as much time as you need to describe your uh, background to uh, the listening audience. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Um, I think, you know, since growing up, I, I always had a sense that I wanted to serve in, in the military. And my, my dad was a uh, long service uh, Army uh, professional. Uh, we lived overseas, Germany, Korea, back to Germany. I graduated from high school in Oklahoma. Um, and all during that time, from a young age all the way up to now, I had a real sense that, that my calling uh, was to serve, serve in the military. So, again, graduated from uh, high school in Oklahoma, applied to uh, West Point, only school I applied to. I was thankful to be able to get in, put all, everything there. Um, and, and sure enough, uh, graduated in 1991, the same year that my dad uh, retired from the army and first last assignment, he wanted to get my mom closer to her home. And that was in Massachusetts. And so they settled on New Hampshire. So in the late eighties, they moved up here while I was in college. And anyway, I started to become more familiar with New Hampshire. They were up in the Wolfboro, Tuftonboro area initially. Now they're down in Exeter. They're both alive uh, today. I'm very thankful for that. But anyway, so sort of that military career and started my own military career. My wife and I are West Point classmates, uh, we started off, but we're visiting New Hampshire from 19, you know, 1980s, 1990s on. And uh, again, not a home of our own, but my parents' home. 
And their community in the area became a bit of a proxy for us and our four children as we raised them. And so that same year that my wife, Christy, and I joined the military, um, my dad retired. And then shortly thereafter, in 1992, um, he became the head of school of a little school down in Portsmouth called Portsmouth Christian Academy, or PCA. Had been a church-affiliated school through the 70s and 80s and early 90s. Uh, but because of the closing of Pease and the, the great benefit of the end of the Cold War, the church can no longer support it. So they became independent. So anyway, my dad uh, took over and that was the first time I became aware of PCA. Uh, but again, I was off, you know, with my wife. We we're in Korea and Germany, uh, deployments, having our own children. And again, visited the school when it was down in Portsmouth and now its current campus. And in the back of that, um, on the education side, you kind of mentioned that, you know, you, you've kind of always had a teacher in you. My dad actually graduated uh, and was certified as a teacher, but did his army career and came back to education. Um, and I had the opportunity in my army career is I was able to teach, uh, go to grad school at Penn State and then teach at West Point, my alma mater, for three years, teach history. And then I got to go back to Penn State and lead the Army RTC program, which gave me a little bit of administrative experience, but also time with cadets and educating and training them. So in my Army career of 28 years, I had over five years uh, in a college campus teaching, and I, I loved it. Um, and I loved the transformation that we saw in people's lives and obviously to go back out into their, their profession, the calling of serving and defending our country was pretty amazing. So. Fast forward to 2018 or so, uh, my wife, who's been out of the service for a while, and uh, three of our kids who are pretty much up and out by that point, um, we have one left. And it's getting time to retire, right? The, in the Army, uh, all the services, it's an upper route system. And at some point you retire, I was coming up getting close to 30 years and started to think and pray and talk about what to do next with my life. You know, I wasn't quite 50 years old then. And, uh, Education was clearly uh, at the foremost of our mind. I was down in the Norfolk area of Virginia, uh, stationed at Fort Eustis at the time. We we're working on uh, how to deter and defeat, if necessary, uh, some of our adversaries that uh, are in the world today. Focus was on Russia and China. Again, focus was on deterring. Really cool stuff. That's worth another discussion. But I said, I need to shift around and figure out what I'm going to do. And I really hope to stay in that area, but doors are closed. Uh, what I didn't know at the time, and my parents, I think, wisely didn't say anything, is that PCA's head of school role had come open. My dad had retired from the role in 2005, but it stayed in the area. Um, and I didn't know about it, but a Google search worked, and I talked to my wife, and we prayed about it, put it in, and uh, started the process. And in uh, summer 2019, I became the head of school here at PCA, and uh, I've been here for three years and now call uh, Dover and Seacoast, New Hampshire home. Uh, our last son um, graduated from PCA last year. He did his last three years here. And, uh, and so we're, we're proud PCA parents. And I'm just very thankful to be a part of the community. But, you know, what has always motivated me uh, was mission. Uh, what's the mission bigger than yourself? Working with a team of people uh, who are willing to come alongside and do that. I did that for a long time in the military. I learned a lot, a lot of grace extended to me. I messed up more than my fair share sometimes, but also uh, how to get better, how to pursue excellence and how to really, on a life or death environment, you know, really move into that space and operate there. And then to translate that in a much more peaceful uh, environment uh, 
and also with the younger age group. And so I'm just, again, great team here at uh, Portsmouth Christian, uh, about 125 uh, part-time and full-time uh, faculty and staff members um, with about 650 kids uh, at three years wow. old, all the way up to 18. So, well, well, before we get into that, I mean, I mean, I just want to thank you and your wife for uh, your military service, your dad, obviously you come from a military family and how blessed are we, you know, that you landed in New Hampshire, right? So uh, as you know, Colonel Hunt Kerrigan's a good friend of mine and he's also, he and his wife have also served our country. And, you know, with all the noise that goes on in the world, I mean, uh, it is just refreshing, you know, to hear all of your great work that you've done in the past um, and continue to do. So from the bottom of my heart, mm. thank you for settling in New Hampshire. And, and you're finding out what I found out when I moved in 1995 to New Hampshire, which is there's no better place to raise a family um, there. You can make such an impact. There's only 1.2 million of us. And right. we get to know a lot of people between Nashua and Portsmouth and Concord and the North Country can make a lot of things happen. For example, we found out that uh, seven or eight years ago that for the most part, not because of the people at the VA, but because of congressional guidelines, uh, for the most part, a veteran can't get oral health care at a VA. Mm -hmm. So we said, OK. So we set up our own network of dentists and um, who take a significant discount and our board funds it by about $200,000. So veterans get their health care. And that's my sense of, uh, you know, you know what, what you've done. Also, just as a little bit of a funny aside, when you say your last one has left you, they never leave. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. They'll, you'll be paying their cell phone bill for four or five more years. And then yeah the marriages and then the down payments and then and a little I'm older than you and then the grandchildren start coming and it's it you know it, it is it is a super you know family environment to live in New Hampshire and and to, yeah. be, to be able to make a an impact so so tell us uh um tell us a little bit about your school's mission yeah um, you know fulfilling pe uh, people's attention and um, also, um, we'll start. We might not be able to expand on it completely before the sure. break. But you, so you started in 2019, just in time for the pandemic to just hit in time in March of 2020. So tell us first about the mission, and then yeah. tell me about yeah. your life in uh, early 2020. Sure. Yeah. The, the, the mission, in short, if there's a little longer version, but it's to maximize each child's God-given potential. And at one level, I kind of go, hey, sure, isn't that what every school does? And, and in some ways, I think they do. But I think that what really captured me about PCA um, is that really to what's the purpose? What's the why behind that mission? It's really about service and leadership. Our vision are to have our graduates go out focused in their faith. We say Christ-centered graduates who go out into the world and impact it for good, not just their own good, not just their family, not, but everybody's good. And when we talk around here is whether you agree with them or not on the left or right side of this, you know, political aisle, whether they're, you know, you different socioeconomic or ethnic background, you know, we believe as a faith-based school, God calls us to serve all people sacrificially, selflessly, and joyfully. And I, to me, that really motivated me. I mean, I think brought a lot of that out of the military, obviously the faith component, which was real for me then is, you know, central to us here, but I think we attempt to do so in a winsome, joyful way that, it, that, that loves everybody. And so, um, you know, I think that that is sometimes different for some. We're able to communicate it uh, more clearly and uh, than others. And uh, to put it all together, you know, mind, body, 
soul and spirit in a community aimed at serving. So. Great, great, great mission. And I think sometimes when you can put it simply and deep, it makes sense. Like in our case, our mission really is everybody deserves a healthy smile. So your your website is PSA one word school.org. And after commercial break, I see Jay. I want to I want to hear how you pivoted in 2020. So Jay, very intriguing, isn't it? It is, absolutely. We've got Mike Rooney, head of school at Portsmouth Christian Academy. PCAschool.org is the website. And Tom Raffio, president and CEO of Northeast Delta Dental and host of Northeast Delta Dental Radio. Well, those two will talk when we get back here on the Pulse of New Hampshire. We're back. It is Northeast Delta Dental Radio alongside Tom Raffio. I am J-Dog, and this week's guest is Mike Rooney. He is the head of school at Portsmouth Christian Academy. Tom, take it away. Thanks, Jay. So, Mike, uh, Let's get right into it. So you started right before sort of the worst of COVID hit in my right. world, my world of dental. You know, uh, we had regular board meetings um, on the uh, 12th or 13th of March, regular board meetings in a hotel. Right. Um, some of the waiters and waitresses were wearing masks, but for the most part, it was normal. We talked a little bit about the coronavirus, then known, then literally the following Monday, March 16th, um, between the CDC and the American Dental Association, nobody could see the, see the dentist. So we had been planning uh, for, for a pandemic for 10 years. So we were able to quickly pivot and get employees home and give money back to our dentists and our employers uh, who pay the premium. We gave them premium release. So we were able to pivot pretty quickly. But in the educational world, how did uh, you, first of all, you were, obviously you're, you're an experienced leader in the military, but you were pretty new at the school. Right. And of course, um, while online learning has been around for a long time with VLAX and mm-hmm. Southern New Hampshire University and things like that, most schools that I have chatted with, they weren't totally ready for this. So so what, what did you do in March of 2020? <laughs> yeah, so like many, um, we sort of saw it coming, didn't fully understand the scope and impact that it would be. I think like many, we hoped, yeah, can we be back in a week or back in two weeks? At some level, that was working in the back of our minds. I think that, you know, back to the military and what we learned in leadership a long time ago, we attempted to do was really just try to over communicate. It's hard to do. Try to do it. And so even leading up to, hey, here's the signals, here are our plans when it happens, and so like you, you know, on the 12th, uh, I think it was a Thursday, uh, we came in and I had a real sense, again, I'm not saying I was right or wrong or whatever, but I said, uh, we, we need to prepare um, for tomorrow. We're going to not, we're not coming back on Monday. We just have to be ready to go. So that gave us another 24 hours, which I think initially proved critical for us. Um, we, were, we did not have, for example, fiber optic cable to the school at the time. We do now. Um, and so we did not have the full bandwidth and we had to, we had started doing some initial planning of what to do. So anyway, we moved like most schools did very quickly, but the team had already done some of that pre-work so that we could pivot pretty quickly. So fast forward, you know, a few weeks uh, and we get into early May and I didn't, you know, others talking to colleagues, I mean, that everybody was kind of done um, with, with this experience and our parents were pretty clear with this too. Um, hey, appreciate all you've done, PCA, but uh, if this is what next year is going to be like, I don't think we're coming back. I mean, that's I mean that's sort of bluntly putting what I what we got, and we were seeing that. Um, 
and we're a school that you know we serve our community and if our community is not here then our reason for existence starts to go away and so the question with the our board um was what can we do right that was our favorite question so try to over communicate and what can we do again back from the military you know you're always in like i don't know enough and the problems are challenging and then the question is well what can we do and and so we started moving in in and committing, not knowing fully how we could do it uh, in May, as we committed to our current families and our staff and faculty, is that we will be back and we will be back as much as possible in person. And we will have some form of online capability as we need it. Stand by, more to follow. Um, and then we all watched that summer how it worked. And then in, about in July, um, we got a flood of families that really wanted to come. And at that point we had published our plan for reopening uh, again, all in line with state and federal protocols, uh, best practices. We were talking to a lot of people, public, private, um, got a lot of good help volunteers from the families, uh, former military, you know, in, inside of our own community came in and anyway, we were able to open and it was not a straight line. I mean, it was, it was a challenge effort. As you know, uh, Tom, that first year was very challenging as we learned about it, as we hit the first October winter wave. Um, we didn't have the vaccine at that point. We didn't have a lot of the tool sets available testing. Those didn't come till year two. So that's a short answer of how we quickly moved. But I, I would say that throughout it all, as we learned more and got more experienced, um, that it was, you know, try to over communicate. It's hard to do. What can we do? And then really with a focus on that mission of serving our students and partnering with our parents and supporting our teachers. You know, it's interesting because in the corporate world, you know, I wrote a book about about the our experience and why we we're so successful and be able to thrive during the pandemic. And it's those two things you mentioned: overly communicating. I mean, I was communicating daily, every day, employees, whether they were furloughed and then came back or they were, they were still active, got at least one email from me. And then, of course, there were other media, you know, videos, et cetera, and then just continue, continue to be a, a servant leader. So I'm not surprised it worked well for you. And I know it uh, obviously, you know, worked well for us as well. So if I'm a parent listening, so uh, let's uh, move, I mean, COVID, of course, is still with us, but as you point sure. out, we're much more knowledgeable about it. Um, I know the first year when I was coming in, we have about 200 employees, you know, 30 of us were continuing to come in the mailroom, et cetera. And it, to some extent, since we didn't know a lot about the virus, it was a little scary. Sure. But now, of course, you know, we're sort of back, you know, hybrid. And we know that, uh, you know, if we do get COVID, there's protocols and you know, if you're vaccinated, you're probably not going to die and all that. So it's 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 a lot different. But one interesting thing, too, was, you know, when people said, I can't wait for 2020 to be over. And then 2021, to some extent, was even worse. You know, whatever. Yeah, it, they all had their challenges. There, there you go. But in any event, so if, um, if I'm a parent, um, so um, is uh, PSA open statewide? Is it predominantly, you know, people in the seacoast? How, do, how does the uh, how does that process work? Yeah, so we're a day school uh, on the seacoast. You're seeing uh, up on the screen kind of where we're at on the Bellamy River, just outside of Portsmouth, between Dover, Portsmouth, and Durham. Uh, and we have families coming uh, from as far northwest as the Lakes region uh, up in 
uh, Wolfboro, Tuftonboro area, coming from Agunquit, Maine, uh, down south as far as Amesbury, Mass, and then uh, even some out in the, the Merrimack Valley, a few families from out there. So, but most families come, you know, within 45 minutes uh, from where we are, drive time, and with all the rivers and bridges, I mean, that sort of, as you know, starts to extend that. Uh, increasingly, our vision is to reach more and more families who want our education uh, regionally. Uh, we're developing that. Uh, one of the things we learned is that we want to seek to develop a best-in-class, uh, excellent Christian education uh, for those, especially in New England, who don't have access to that. And so, but that's that's still coming. We're developing that. So one of the outcomes uh, initiatives coming out of COVID, uh, and working with other schools. But uh, but generally, uh, we service uh, and serve the 300,000. Uh, men and women and their children in the seacoast is where we find most of our families coming to us from. Great. And uh, is there uh, tuition assistance? How does how does yeah. that, how does the application process work for for the children? Yeah, our 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 vision is to is to serve as you know every family that wants the education that we provide, which again is character based, values based, with ac- academic excellence pursuit of that, uh, and. So we have a, a strong, we call it variable tuition, but it's really meeting each family where they're at so that every family is a, you know, pulling about the same load. And we found that that's really strong in the, in the community, it really strengthens the community when they, you, know, you look left, you look right. You may not know who's got variable tuition. Uh, that's our goal. We don't want you to know, but we, we can, you can look around and go, everybody's pulling as hard as they can proportionally uh, and with confidence. And I found, you know, that was going on right before I got here. I, we have found that throughout all of this, it has really unified us because I think everybody is, you know, same common goal. And they all recognize that, uh, you know, everybody has different gifts, talents and capabilities. But if everybody's pulling about the same, it brings you together. It's a team. Jeez, you know, I want to guest lecture at your school. So <laughs> I think that's I a good follow up. I want to uh, I definitely I mean, I get my energy around seeing uh uh, youth, the youth uh, and their emerging leadership. And we just a couple of weeks ago, we hosted a youth leadership conference for fourth, fifth and sixth graders, uh, schools in the Concord area and a couple public charter schools. And and they were using the Baldridge Performance Excellence Framework, which essentially category one is servant leadership. Uh, yeah. You definitely are using Baldridge. You may not call it that, but boy, I, I came out of it so optimistic. So my sense is... The, the answer to this question is going to be equally energetic from you. Are you about being, are you optimistic for the, you know, future, you know, of, uh, of uh, youthful students in New Hampshire and your school and then in general? Yeah. So I, I think I recognize that, you know, leaders have to be able to paint reality as it is. Uh, and there's some real challenges that, that we face today and that we anticipate to face in the future. But I, like you just said, Tom, and with your experience, I am very encouraged that our young people, when we walk alongside them, prepare them, challenge them, encourage them, coach them, um, that they will do great and uh, that they will rise to the challenge. Um, they are going to face it while there's nothing new under the sun. So says Solomon and Ecclesiastes. Uh, what my dad shared with me as a young guy was that combination will be different. Um, and so as we take our experience, which wasn't perfect, but it's pretty holistic. And we transfer that. And I think the key is giving young people real experience. We can talk about leadership all day, but I think bringing the leadership experience age appropriate down into the middle school grades for sure, as you just described, and all the way up through into uh, 
the high school grades we called upper school uh, would be such an important thing to get them going. I nobody did that to me until I got to West Point. I was yeah. like 19. I agree so. with you. Uh, um, the, the real life learning, um, you know, and I, I remember with the state board when we'd have uh, uh, presentations and the most successful schools and teachers are the ones that doing exactly that you described. So in 30 seconds, give us two key things you learn as a military leader that you now apply as an educational leader. We only have uh, uh, 30 seconds. And again, for the listening audience, the website for more information is PSA school, all one word, dot org. So give us the two things military applying to your current educational leadership. Yeah. So I say is people are worth it, right? I mean, it is worth investing in people, even on the tough days and going with them for the long haul. Um, I learned that. I received it. I saw the benefit of that over many years. Um, and my faith says the same thing, right? So the second thing uh, is that do not be surprised by tough things in your life, whether we do them, they're around us, um, but you need to find a way forward. Um, our, you know, For me, my faith does that a lot, but people around me and a really good education that goes beyond the classroom is key. I learned that in the military, applies here and apply, I think, broadly. Wow. We're going to have to have Mike back on again, Jay. What do you think? Absolutely. Totally agree with that. PCAschool.org. That is the website, as Tom talked about. And another edition of Northeast Delta Dental Radio comes to a close. Fear not. We'll have another edition next week here on the Pulse of New Hampshire. For Mike Rooney, head of school at Portsmouth Christian Academy, and Tom Raffio, president and CEO of Northeast Delta Dental and host of Northeast Delta Dental Radio on JDOG. And we'll be back for another edition of Northeast Delta Dental Radio next time here on the Pulse of New Hampshire.